Okay, so we are moving into unit four of the gospel is the power. And we ask the question, power for what? Well, this unit is about power for life and godliness. Uh, I do know that we touched on this in unit two just ever so briefly, because in unit two, we ask the question, what is the power of the gospel for? And power for life and godliness is a big part of what the gospel is all about. We've been learning about this, that, you know, God saw that mankind was totally unable to obey him, left to themselves. And so God made a way through the death of Jesus to atone for our sins, to make us into a vessel that could house his Holy Spirit so that he could dwell inside of us and guide us in the path of of life and guide us in the path of godliness. Hallelujah. So even though we touched on it, we're going to get into it deeper here because being a Christian is not just about saying a prayer and thinking that that's enough to get you into heaven for all eternity. Being a Christian is not even just about going to church or, you know, being in a life group or checking the box of being a good person. It's not about being a good person. It's about being a God person. And no one can be a God person without the Holy Spirit. And it's about being a God person every day of your life. It's about living for Jesus every day of the week, not just on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday night, whenever it is that you go to church or have your gatherings. Being a Christian is about living by the indwelling presence and power of God. That's what part of the gospel is. It's to put the power of God inside of us to help us to be walk the way that God wants us to live our lives, to live our lives the way he wants us to. So we open up with a scripture that we did read before, but it's worth reading again. His divine power has granted to us how many things? All things that pertain to life, life and godliness, godliness to be like God. We are made in God's image. He designed us to be like him. Godliness is to be like God. How can we attain all things that pertain to life and godliness? Through knowledge of him. We have to know God. We have to know him, not just know about him, but really be in a relationship with him through knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That gives you an idea of what godliness is about, glory and excellence, to do what you do to the highest standard of excellence that you are capable of. And again, by we're called to God's excellence, the highest standard of all, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, through the promises of God, the promise of the Messiah coming and pouring out his spirit, giving us a new heart and a new spirit, we become partakers of divine nature. Wow, God comes to dwell inside of us, and we're going to get into that in this unit. 
divine nature comes to dwell inside of us, and it helps us to escape from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. And that is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That's kind of our foundational scripture for this course, or for this uh, unit, unit 4. So, Let's start. We have to start at the beginning. And as we've learned, sometimes before you can get into the good news, first you got to understand a little bit of the bad news. But it's really not that bad. You know, to live for Jesus and start in a new way is actually the best thing that will ever happen to you. But at first, you know, in order for you or me, in order for you to start being like God, you have to stop being like yourself. That's the problem. If you keep on doing the same thing you've always been doing, you're going to keep on with the same result that you've always had, the same problems, the same frustrations, the same infirmities, the same afflictions, the same relationship problems, all your relationships falling apart. You know, in order for you to start being like God, you've got to stop being like yourself. Well, the gospel has made provision even for that. So we're moving into point A. Point A is crucified with Christ. You and I and everyone in the world, when Jesus died on the cross, we were crucified with him. It's truly awesome. Let's dig into the scripture. So the first one there is from John 12. This is Jesus speaking. He has not yet been crucified, but he knows that that's where his short life is headed. He's telling his disciples that he's going to be crucified, and he is speaking to a group of people, telling them in advance that he's going to be lifted up and crucified, and they don't really understand what he's talking about. Nevertheless, we can draw from this scripture that he knew that we were going to die with him, be included with him in his crucifixion. So John 12 and verse 32, Jesus speaking, and I, when I am lifted up, now we learned already, what does it mean? My servant is lifted up. He knew he was going to be lifted up on the cross. He said, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all, and depending on your translation, it will say all men, all people, all everyone, you know, to myself. But actually, uh, and there's a Bible geek note here down in your study guide, the, the original text does not include the additional word for people or men or everyone or all people. The, the original scripture is, I will draw all to myself. And that word means everyone, whosoever, but it also includes all of creation. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, everything, including every person, was drawn to himself. Now, I have to take a little pause. I'm sorry for people that want to keep going. I love the Word of God, too, but that's why I have to pause. I have heard this scripture used so many times for people's marketing strategy, okay? Because their philosophy is, hey, if I lift up the name of Jesus, I'm going to get a lot of people following me. Okay, that is not what this means. It's not, and I'll tell you why. Let's go into the next verse. Jesus said this, he said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. He did not say this to show how to build a big church. Sorry, 
That's not what it means. When I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. He is talking about how we are included in his death with him. The reckoning, the rendering of our sinful nature is put to death with Jesus on the cross. That is the that is so much better than any marketing strategy could ever be. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So you can see, they're not really getting it. They're not really putting the pieces together. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, so they're asking questions because they don't understand what Jesus is saying. And we skip forward a couple verses to 37. Though he had done so many signs before them— they still did not believe in him. And the reason we keep going into this scripture is so you see it for yourself, because we covered this previously, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Friends, are you getting it? We addressed this thoroughly before. It's only to the people that God reveals himself. From Isaiah 52 and 53, not everyone believes. Who has believed? The scripture from Isaiah is fulfilled. Some people get it. Some people don't. At this point, Jesus, they didn't understand what he was talking about. But the scripture is fulfilled. Who has believed and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Hallelujah. So when Jesus was on the cross, all of us were drawn to him. We died with him on the cross. So let's keep going into point two from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is now the Apostle Paul speaking. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all. Same word from John 12, for all, everyone, everything in creation. One died for all. Therefore, all have died. So when Jesus died for you, you died with him. So verse 15, and he died for all that those who live meaning us who are still in this world, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So here's the deal. We know this from Adam and Eve. When they took in the garden from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the consequence for that, God said, was you will surely die. Now, they didn't immediately, suddenly drop dead when they disobeyed God. But death, separation from God, separation from the source of life, and being subject to death, everyone dies, subject to and deserving the death penalty. That is the existence of every descendant of Adam. Right? So unbelievers are still dead. If anyone who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is still dead in their sin and destined for eternal separation from God, 
eternal the you know the 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 second death eternal separation from god so from ephesians chapter 2 you were paul is talking again he's talking to the ephesians about where what condition they were in before they believed in jesus you were dead in trespasses and sins. So it's not just that we're descendants from Adam who ate from the wrong tree. We also, based on the things that we do, the sins that we commit, the trespasses, the ways that we cross over that line to do things that are not pleasing to God, we deserve the curse of the law. We deserve the penalty for the for our sin. We deserve to die for high treason against God. So we were dead. Any unbeliever today is still dead in the sight of God. They were dead in their trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Why? Following the course of this world, the priorities of this world, everything about this world and the structures of what it exalts. Following the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan, the evil one who has rulership over this world. So following the course of this world is the same as following Satan, following the evil one. This world is set up since the fall of Adam and Eve for under the power and control and influence of the evil one, the ancient serpent. So that is the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, meaning Adam and Eve disobeyed. That nature is in you. If you are an unbeliever, that nature has not yet been changed. You have not yet become a new creation. Walking in as sons of disobedience, that automatically implies that someone who's walking with God should be walking in obedience, not disobedience, but everyone who is not walking and living their lives with Jesus every day by the power of the Holy Spirit is walking in disobedience, chronic, constant disobedience against God. They're dead in trespasses and sins, walking in disobedience, among whom we all once lived. So, hey, I was a son of disobedience before I put my faith in Jesus and became a daughter of God. Son is the biblical term, but yes, God knows they're male and female. He made it that way, but it biblically, it's just called son. You got to go with it. All men are included in the bride of Christ. All women are included as sons of God. You just got to go with it. It means sons and daughters. I'm not offended by that just because I'm a female. Okay. Okay, keep going. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh. This is it. This is the disobedience. Uh, you know, your flesh, I want what I want and I want it now. You know, I'm living for what my body desires, what my flesh desires, what my mind thinks I need in my own life, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature, here we go, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And we've learned about this. Everyone who has not put their faith in Jesus is an enemy of God and subject to the wrath of God, like the rest of mankind, everyone. So unbelief, but however, unbelievers were also included in Christ's death. It just hasn't been 
revealed to them yet. So again, if you have someone in your life that is an unbeliever, pray for God to reveal himself, to reveal his son to them. He will. He longs to do that. It's a good prayer. That's one of those prayers that you know. If you pray that prayer, you can be confident that you are praying the will of God. It is God's will for everyone to be saved. But just because it's God's desire for everyone to be saved by placing their faith in Jesus Christ, until they do, they remain as children of wrath and sons of disobedience in this world. So that's for the unbelievers. For believers, we are dead in Christ's death to the old nature, the nature that we received from Adam, the sinful nature. And we're going to cover this more in the next part of this unit. But we are all we are still dead. We were included with Christ's death. We are crucified with him. Him by faith. And his death frees us, frees us from sin so that we no longer live like sons of disobedience, but we have the opportunity to partake of divine nature and live for God. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, for their own desires, for their own fleshly passions. We've been uh, escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire, fleshly passions. So as believers, we put that old nature to death so that we can live for Jesus by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit.